This is a poem written by Andrea Graham, a Canadian poet and author, and it's entitled The Great Reversal. Walking with the crowd, carried along by the pressing forward, each one eager to get ahead, but each one starting the same, born as a baby, and from then on, struggling towards meaning, power, and influence. Be someone, be remembered, make a big impression. Leave some indelible mark on your three score years and ten. From birth, struggling to find eternity. To burst through life with such a dazzling intensity that everyone will remember forever. But, walking the other way, Picking out a route against the crowd, a solitary figure passes me, passes all of us. All straining away innocence to be somebody, and he passes. A quiet chaos in the crowds. Christ. Eternal, omniscient, creator, source of wisdom, beyond time, beyond mere petty claims of influence. In very nature, God, and he slips into reverse and walks back past us. Away from kingship, away from power, away from authority, away from eternity, towards infancy. Calmly stepping into the body of a tiny child. And even as that baby grows, figuring out how to control the body that he himself has made, he still walks the other way. Realizing that life is not something to be gained by struggling for the performance, but by letting it go. The great reversal subverts me. Tired of pressing forward, I realize I need to turn. Because what I've been looking for has just walked past me. I'd like to just take a few moments to share a few thoughts then about what is at the heart of Christmas. And that poem is a great pointer for us uh, in the direction that we're going to head. So it's Christmas time. There's six days to go. But I think we can confidently say now Christmas is kind of here. It is Christmas time. And I wonder, what does Christmas mean to you? Uh, For some, it's a family time. For some, it's a rest from work. 
For others, it's an opportunity to work on days that give you double pay. Uh, for some, it's presents. Uh, for some, it's the joy of seeing X Factor at number one again or fighting against it. Uh, and then, of course, there's the Christmas, the Christmas story, Mary and Joseph, or Jovis, as our children have always said when they're small. Something difficult about the word Joseph. It's always Mary and Jovis, a bit like Hovis. Um, it, anyway, and then the angel Gabriel and the wise men, the magi from the east, the jealous and genocidal King Herod. Uh, these things come from the eyewitness accounts, from the stories written down by those who were there. Of course, there are many later embellishments that people added as they told the story. Donkeys and camels, a stable, gold, frankincense, myrrh. Uh, We quite like those embellishments. Father Christmas, too, is an embellishment. He seems to feature very prominently in Christmas nowadays. A couple of weeks ago, uh, I was in Nepal as they were celebrating Christmas, and there's a lot of Santa stuff going on there. Quite surprising how much people like the Santa stuff. Coca-Cola have done very well in their marketing of a red man uh, and white fur. So there's all kinds of stories. Some of it is true. Some of it we just kind of enjoy. As the events overtook Mary, mother of Jesus, the reading that we had said that she treasured these things. She pondered them in her heart, and she sought to find the meaning of these incredible events. In time, and as Jesus grew up, uh, many people came to realize that what had happened at Jesus' birth was nothing other than God himself becoming man. That Jesus really was a man, but was also really God. He was truly human and truly divine, which is very complicated to get our heads around, which is why it took people a little while to get it. But then they realized that only this could explain the amazing things that they had seen in the life of Jesus. So Jesus was God become man, and uh, at the very least, that's quite interesting. But really, so what? I mean, suppose that God decides that heaven has become a little bit samey, and he wouldn't mind going on a bit of a trip, a bit of tourism, go and take in earth, see what it's like to live as a person for a little bit, try on something a little bit different. That would be interesting, but not really a great reason for us to celebrate, If Jesus had come to teach us how to live, to come and say to us, look, this is what you need to do. Sorry if it wasn't clear before, but this is how to live. Well, that could be really, really good, but maybe not the greatest cause for celebration. And yet, celebrate we do at Christmas time. The real reason that Jesus came is something far better than all of that. Uh, And it really is the core message of Christianity Uh, It's what that poem was getting at. It is about the heart of Christmas. Very helpfully, uh, once Jesus was old enough to talk, uh, he explained why he'd come, just to clear up any misunderstanding. And the words that he spoke to explain it are also recorded for us in the Bible. There are several things that he said. One thing that Jesus said was, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. Let's have another picture, because this is a great moment in Jesus' life when he, the master of his disciples, chose 
not to be served by them, but to wash their feet. He came not to be served, but to serve. And this is really, really important because it tells us that the message of Christmas about peace and joy is not just something that is offered to us, but that we have to somehow strive for. It tells us that God is determined for us to receive benefit at his expense. It's not just that peace and joy is offered, and if we try hard enough and do the right things and attend the right places and say the right prayers, then maybe one day, if we get it right enough, we might experience some of that peace and some of that joy. But Christ comes as one who knows our weakness, recognizes our need, and is determined to do what is necessary to help us. This is the love of God. And what it leads us to do is simply to say, thank you at Christmas time. As I mentioned a moment ago, I was in Nepal a couple of weeks ago. One of the things about Nepalese culture is that no one says thank you. It's just part of the culture. So whenever you say thank you, people look at you with that kind of, yeah, you're a crazy foreigner kind of a look. And uh, yeah, it's quite surprising. Despite spending a little bit of time in the country, it's really hard to stop saying thank you. Someone gives you a cup of tea, your head says, I don't need to say thank you, but before you know it, you do. Say thank you very much, they look at you as if you're weird. Um, They ask if you want sugar, you say no thank you. They look at you again as if you're weird, and you hope that by the end of the time with you, they'll realize that your weirdness is cultural and not somehow mental. Um, But there is something about Jesus coming and displaying God's love, which does cause us to say thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into the world and causes us to celebrate Christmas. Uh, But Jesus didn't only come to serve us. That uh, saying of his goes on, I didn't come to be served but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. That's what Jesus went on to say to explain himself. Uh, I heard just the other day something that I thought was great that uh, Mervyn King, the governor of the Bank of England, went on record a few years ago as saying that the true meaning of Christmas will not be revealed until Easter, uh, which was a reference to how long it takes for the financial figures to come out about Christmas sales, uh, but which is true nonetheless, because the key event in Jesus' life is what we remember at Easter. And it reminds us that Jesus didn't only come to serve, but actually he came to suffer Uh, That's what it means that he gave his life as a ransom for many. I think we all understand what a ransom is. We've watched enough films to know that a ransom means leaving money in a black bag bag in a litter bin, normally. Uh, I I guess that's standard police procedure in all countries around the world. And we know that it's about paying something so that somebody will be set free. And Jesus said, I've come to pay a price so that people will be set free. Uh, We know there's a a lot of problems in the world, and we all know that things could be better, and yet somehow, as people, we find we are unable to sort it all out. And at the heart of Christmas is a decision that God made that he would no longer leave it to us to sort out, but that he would come and he would sort out the problems for us. Why did God not just stay in heaven and sort all of the problems out? Well, there's several reasons. One is he wanted to make sure that it was all dealt with properly 
and he's better able to deal with it than we are. But there's another reason here. There's another reason why he came from heaven to sort it out. I wonder how many of you have suffered the pain of having a dislocated joint. Has anyone ever had a dislocated joint? There's a few people around. And uh, I, thank God I haven't. Um, but I understand that what has to happen is that there's a process of putting a joint back in place. And that process is going to hurt as well. It's got to be done, but it's going to hurt. And God saw the problems of humanity, saw that we as a people are somehow dislocated. We're unable to function properly and we're in pain. But rather than just come along like the doctor and sort it out for us from a distance, from outside of us, God chose to become human so that he could experience the pain of fixing things and that we could be fixed without experiencing the trauma. That's why he wanted to get inside humanity so that he could not only sort things out and sort them out properly, but that he himself would bear the pain and free us from bearing that pain. And that's what happened in the events that we remember at Easter. That might sound a little bit complicated. That's okay if things sound a bit complicated because being a Christian isn't about having all of our questions answered. For for those of us who have become Christians, it was not the case that we had a moment when someone had answered all of our long list of questions, thought that's the last one done now, I've got everything sorted, I think I might become a Christian. Actually, we all became Christians at a point where we had many questions remaining, but we'd seen enough answered that we had enough confidence that this was a choice we could take, even with questions remaining. So we don't have to know everything. And asking questions is a key part of the Christian life. If what I've said just now about Jesus coming to fix things and bear our pain leaves you with some questions, well, great. That's really good. Pursue those questions and understand more and more about what Jesus has done. Actually, we so want to help you to pursue those questions that we're providing an opportunity in the new year uh, through something called the Alpha Course, uh, which you may have heard of. Uh, Millions and millions of people in the UK and around the world have chosen to pursue their questions about Jesus by doing the Alpha Course. And at the back over there is a stand. There's going to be a couple of people there after we've finished our time all together who will tell you when it's starting in the new year how you can sign up. You can come just as a taster for one evening, see if the people there are normal uh, or weird, uh, and what it's like, whether the food's any good. Make all those decisions and choose whether to keep coming. But you can pursue those questions. At the same time as raising a number of questions, there's also something really simple that comes out of realizing that Jesus suffered for us. It means that as well as saying thank you, that we ought to say sorry. Uh, We're very quick to say thank you, so quick to say thank you that we can't stop saying thank you, but sorry does seem to be the hardest word. Uh, Sorry uh, is also a very powerful word. When we say sorry, things change in relationships, uh, things change in the atmosphere around us, and our futures are altered by our saying sorry. So we're quick to say thank you. uh, Sorry, uh, slow to say sorry, but the heart of Christmas teaches us to say both. Say, thank you, Jesus, for coming. Sorry that you had to, but thank you for coming. 
Jesus said another thing about why he came into the world, and it was to do with seeking people. Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. Often we talk about us as people seeking God. Saying, I'd really like to go looking for God. I'd like to find him. I'm not quite sure where he is. I'm not quite sure what I need to do to find him, but whatever I can think of doing, whatever anyone might suggest, I'm going to try looking for God, and maybe one day I'll find him. But Jesus says that in his coming to earth, he achieves that great reversal in which he comes looking for us. I love this picture because it seems to me that we're looking with our torch, as it were, in the darkness, saying, I wonder where God is. I wonder how I might find him. But we struggle to keep up the search. We sometimes let it go and we end up lost just like this torch has got lost. But then Jesus himself comes searching for us in our lostness. If you're looking for God, then remember this Christmas, it's not about how hard you search, but remember that God is coming looking for you. It changes, changes everything. We can put it really, really simply. It means that God is near. He's not far off, such that a long journey is needed to pursue him, but God is near. He's near to you right now. He's here with us, in fact, and there's no need for you to go away from this place this evening without having encountered God. One of the things that we do for each other really often as Oxford Community Church is we pray with, for one another. There's something very powerful about sitting down together and saying, I'd just like to pray for this friend of mine uh, that, that God, you would come and just help them to know that you're here. Now, it may be that you've already got some inkling in our time together that God is here, or it may be that you have some revelation of his presence even before we finish. But if you're left with any questions about the nearness of God or of God's interest in you, I'd really encourage you to find a friend here, or if you haven't got any friends, for whatever reason, uh, come to the front here, and there'll be some of us here who will just be delighted to pray with you. We won't do anything weird well, we might do some things you're not used to if you're not used to that, but we're not going to freak you out and we'll just go gently and say, let's pray for God to make himself known to you. And I believe there are people here this evening who are going to meet with God for the first time. So the heart of Christmas tells us to say thank you, tells us to say sorry. It also tells us to say please, just please God, I'd like to meet with you. Really simple way of encountering God. So God became human in Jesus so that A, he could serve us, B, he could sort things out for us, uh, even at the cost of his own life, and he also, C, came because he wanted to seek us out. So if this message is making sense to you, if the heart of Christmas is touching your heart and mind, I'm going to finish just by praying. And I'm going to pray along those three simple lines to say, thank you, God, sorry, And please, thank you, God, that you care about me, that you put my interests ahead of your own uh, convenience. Thank you that you love me. Uh, Sorry, God, that you had to come and sort out my mess. Sorry that I haven't sorted it out myself and that sorry that I need you, but um, thank you that you came. And then please, God, please would you come and step into my life. I'm just going to pray those three simple things. Uh, Thank you, sorry, and please.
And uh, if, it's in your, uh, if it's your desire to, to pray that, just echo that in your own heart and mind along with me as we pray together. Let's bow our heads and pray. Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you that you didn't stay afar uh, from us in heaven. Thank you that you didn't cling on to your power and your glory. Thank you that you gave that up and have walked past us to a place of vulnerability in order to do us good. Thank you that Christmas declares to us your love for us. Thank you, God, that you care enough that you would suffer for us. God, we want to say sorry. Sorry that you had to do it. Sorry that you had to suffer. Sorry that we've made so many choices that we've needed somebody else to clear up for us. Sorry that we've not honoured you as we should do in our lives and we've stood at a distance from you. Sorry that, Jesus, you had to go to the cross for our sakes. Sorry that you had to suffer. Lord God, thank you that you did so. And now we say, please, God, would you come to each one of us now and through this Christmas time, please, would you reveal yourself to us Please reveal the reality that you are near. We don't have to go up to some high mountain to seek you or some far land to find you. We don't have to go through hoops uh, and rituals to encounter you. But you're near. We say, please, God, would you come to us by your Holy Spirit. Reveal yourself to us in such a way that we would know that you are here. Lord, I thank you that that has been my experience, that you have come close to me. Thank you that that's the experience of many here, that you have come close. And we've said, we thought we were seeking you, but we've discovered that you were seeking us. And all it took was for us to accept your nearness and to say, please, would you come? So, Lord, we we say that again. And for those of us praying that for the first time, Lord, we ask especially for them, that you would rush in in answer to that simple prayer and make yourself known that we might experience the joy and peace that Christmas promises. And we pray all of that in Jesus' name. Amen.